right. We thank God for his goodness. We thank him for every opportunity that we have to just really be in the word of God, because it's a, it's a, it, it is, it's a blessing. It's not something for us to really take for granted or ever to take for granted because God doesn't have to give us his word. And that's kind of one of the things that uh, we'll probably touch on a little bit later in uh, today's lesson. We thank the Lord as always, we're going to go ahead and begin uh, reading our scripture set. This is Psalms 27. Uh, we're starting at verse number one, a Psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall Shall I be afraid when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh? They stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock and now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy, I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. May the Lord have a blessing to those that not just read his word, not just hear his word, but do his word. We pray that God will have a blessing to those who will take the word in through the means that God has made available, and then they will action on it. They're going to move on it. You're going to live it. You're going to apply it because that's where the blessing is. We've said it many times before, and, um, and uh, I never get tired of saying it because it's so true. And it's something that we, um, that we need to make sure that, um, that we're constantly in, uh, have a, proper understanding of the blessing is in the obedience to God's word. Okay. It is not enough family for us to just read the word for us to just sit under good teaching of the word of God and all of those things. You got to use it. If you are being blessed by these lessons, the best show of appreciation, not to me, but to God, is to take the word that he's given you and use it. It's got nothing to do with me. You cannot do this for me, not one bit. I wouldn't even dare ask you to do so, but I will ask you to be obedient to God because he is worthy. And if we'll all do that, there's just no telling what just the goodness, what good and wonderful things we'll see of God. Amen. There'll still be some hard times. Okay. It doesn't make you exempt from any of that, but 
having such a wonderful God on our side, man, even the hard times are are doable in Jesus' name. All right, we're back in our scripture and we've been talking, amen, we've been talking a lot. Um, this is the uh, fifth lesson um, in our series, and this is probably the final lesson for this particular uh, segment where we were talking about uh, finding God. Okay. Um, we added some context to that before, and we learned that it's not really so much that we find God as if God was lost. We know that God is not lost. Amen. We know that. Um, but it's more so the God, we're talking about the God who lets us find him. Amen. So it's not really us finding God as if he was lost, but it's really more so God allowing us, it's really more so God allowing us to, um, uh, to, um, to perceive him. He allows us to, um, he allows us to, um, to be able to discern him. So when we start talking about finding God, many times people will say, you know, I found the Lord and I found that and those, and, that, and that's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with that. And I don't want you to think there is anything wrong with, with people saying that because it isn't that, you know, but the con, but if we were to split hairs and really get down into it, it's really less of us finding God and God allowing us per se to perceive him or to find him. And that's a good thing. Amen. That's a very, very good thing. Last week, we um, left off talking about the concept of fallow ground. Amen. And this is a good topic dealing with fallow ground. Now, for context purposes, Psalms 27 verse 9 says, hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. And we learned all about that. Thou hast been my help. That's a wonderful thing. We learned that in the middle of all of this, though David is asking God for something, David didn't get so blindsided by what he needed so much as to not be able to take a time out and to honor God for what he has. Okay. We all need something from God. Amen. And that's not going to change. You're going to always need something from God. I'm going to always need something from God in some way, some fashion, some form. We all need God to bless us. Amen. We all need God to bless us. We are not, um, in a world on our own, okay? We are not self-sufficient. We don't, we're not as much as it would, it, it, would, it, it would be nice to not have to need folks and need anyone else. We're not designed that way, amen. And plus that would make for a very lonely, lonely world. And that's not something that we actually really want. God designed us to need him. God designed us to need one another. Yeah, we get frustrated with one another and things don't always go according to plan. And, and sometimes, you know, we want to check out, and, you know, tip out and all that other kind of stuff. And it happens. That's just part of just being humans, part of part of the human condition. You're going to get tired. Sometimes you get tired of people. Sometimes you get tired of situations, you get tired of things, and you're going to want to check out and you're going to want to do these things. Nevertheless, God did not design you to be self-sufficient. No, God designed you to be dependent. God created you with dependencies already baked in so that you would always need him. Glory to God. Some things you just can't get without him. 
You can't get peace of mind without God. You can't get deliverance without God. Hope and joy, you can get a form of those things, but the true essence of what they really are, you cannot get that without God. See, God is the architect of these things, and we can spend a lifetime and spend all of our wills in that lifetime trying to find versions of that thing. But the genuine article comes from God. I want to tell somebody today that God is still your help. God is still your strength. I know that you're trying and to, to make things go and trying to work things out. Let me save you some time and let me save you some pain and wasted effort. You're only ever going to get so far without God. You need God. You need God. And you want, and, let me, and, and God wants you to need him. God wants you to feel like you need him. God wants to be loved by you voluntarily. He's got no, no desire to force you. And so he's not going to force you. He wants you to choose him for yourself. God loves you. You may not feel that all the time, especially when he's got to let you go through some tough times. God, didn't you see this? God, don't you know that? And it's hard at times to be a believer because nobody ever really envisions, especially when we're soaking up the word of God and it's all good. And, and I mean, just a smorgasbord of the word of God. We love receiving the word of God, but the thing, I said this in a couple lessons past, and I think it bears saying again, none of us at the time when we received the word of God envision the circumstance and the situation where we are actually going to need to employ and use that word. See, nobody goes into this thing envisioning the problems, but God's word is usable in all situations, and there is a word for every circumstance. What we don't often realize is, is that God will give you the solution before you get to the problem. That's what he always does. It's the divine pattern of God. Take creation, for example. Before man was created, everything that man was going to need, all the trees, all the food, and all that kind of stuff, do you notice in the pattern of creation, all that stuff was created before man got here? God created the solution before the question got even asked. God, I'm hungry. God, I need this. God, I need that. God, I'm the God had already worked it out. God gives the solution well in advance of the question. Before you get to the circumstance where you will need the solution, God already gives you the solution. That is why you don't realize what's happening when you go to church on Sunday or when you're listening to the word being preached or taught and you're going through all of these different things, especially when you're doing that and times are not so bad. They're not so chaotic at that moment, but you're getting the word. You don't realize that what God is doing is he's actually giving you the solution for the circumstance that's going to come up down the line. Why? Because the triangle of your faith is more precious than gold. So you're not going to avoid all troubles and trials and tribulations and setbacks and circumstances that just leave you wanting more. You're not going to avoid that. You and I will never get away, get away for that. But the Lord said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he meant that so much 
to the point where he actually gives you the solution, gives me the answer before I get into the situation or the circumstance. We don't often look at it that way. You and I never really envision that when I'm getting the word and the words tells me, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. I don't envision at the moment when I'm hearing that being taught or that being preached. I do not always envision the circumstance that's going to come up where I am going to be between a rock and a hard place and I am going to be trying to decide between going my own way, using my own understanding or trust. I don't envision that situation and neither do you. But it is good to know that God gives us the answer. And David, in the middle of needing something, in the middle of being in need and actually literally requesting, because that's what you're reading in Psalms 27, verse nine, you're reading the heat, you're, you're on the heels of his requests and, and he's got some requests tucked in here as well. Hide not thy face far from me. That's a request. Put not thy servant away in anger. That's a request. Okay. Then he would go on to say, leave me not, neither forsake me. Oh God of my salvation. Those parts are requests. But in the middle of the request nestled within there is the is a man that took time out to acknowledge God for what he has done. That's what you see when you read the part where he says, thou has been my help. And then you couple that with the very last phrase, oh, God of my salvation. What is David doing with those? He's got three requests in here. But nestled within the requests, remember, hide not my face. That's a request. Put not away thy servant in anger. That's a request. Leave me not, neither forsake me. Actually, that's about four requests right there. He's asked for four different things. But in the middle of those things, nestled within it, there is the acknowledgement of God. There is the acknowledgement of what God has already done. Everybody needs something from God. But don't get so caught up in what you need that you miss your opportunity to say thank you for what you already have. Because as much as you need God, as much as I need God, the reality is that God has actually already helped me. He has already blessed you. We need him to bless us again. And yes, if God did it before, <laughs> he can do it some more. God can, God will, God wants to bless. But of course, that is not an open, you know, buffet, meaning that you're just going to get that without doing something. No, you're going to have to live right. So that doesn't apply to anybody who's actively living in sin, talking about you need God, but you want to do what you want to do. No, you're not going to have God. You're not going to have, let me put it like this. You're not going to have God the way he wants you to have him. You're going to have him the way he don't want you to have him, meaning that he's going to have to deal with you in chastisement. And you don't want that. Okay. God is faithful, family, friend. God is faithful. And when you say God is faithful, it means that he's not just faithful to blessing you. God is faithful to cursing you as well. The Bible lays out both the blessing and the curse. And God is so faithful that what he said you're going to get if you do right, you're going to get it. But also what he said you're going to get if you do wrong, you're going to get that too. 
So understand, have respect for God. You're not dealing with just anybody. He's sovereign. Amen. Amen. So we talked about these things and David said, thou hast been my help. And we said, you know, we got to remember that our help comes from the Lord. We looked at Psalms 121, one through three. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence come my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which may what? Heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Amen. 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 Help comes from the Lord. That's a good thing to know. We need to know that. We need to know that. Ecclesiasticus, we gave you chapter two, verses five through eight. For gold is tried in the fire and acceptable men in the furnace of adversity. Believe in him and he what will help thee. Order thy way aright and trust in him. Ye that fear the Lord, wait for his mercy and go not aside lest ye fall. Ye that fear the Lord, believe him and your reward shall not fail. Amen. We looked at Isaiah 41, 13. Amen. For I, the Lord, thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. Then we looked at the wisdom of Solomon, chapter two, verse 18. For if the just man be the son of God, meaning if you belong to God, he will help him and deliver him from the hand of his enemies. Amen. That's good stuff. You need to know that. I need to know that. Those are the things that we've got to do. You've got to keep in mind the memory of what God has done for you. Look at Job chapter 36. Look at verse, starting at verse 24. Amen. Remember that thou magnify his work, which men behold. Every man may see it. Man may behold it afar off. Behold, God is great. And we know him not. Neither can the number of his years be searched out for he maketh small the drops of water they pour down rain according to the vapor thereof which the clouds do drop and distill upon man abundantly also can any understand the spreading of the clouds or the noise of his tabernacle? Behold, he spreadeth his light upon it and covereth the bottom of the sea. Amen, the very bottom of the sea. Get the handiwork of God. For by them judgeth he the people. He giveth meat in abundance. With clouds, he covereth the light. In other words, he gives you cloud cover so that you don't just get totally burned up by the sun. This, he's, Job is just, he's talking about the goodness of God here and what God does. With clouds, he covereth the light and commandeth it not to shine by the cloud that cometh betwixt. Amen, amen. The noise thereof showeth concerning it. The cattle also concerning the vapor. God is magnificent. And he provides. And that's really what that scripture in Job is talking about. Look at the handiwork of God. These are the things that God does that you and I don't often think about. 
There are plenty of things that God, I don't mean to suggest that we are just go around being ungrateful. No, we get caught up in the in the hustle and bustle of life, we get moving and when we get going and then sometimes we just kind of lose track of time and, and we know God is good and we honor God. But the reality is, is that we don't nearly honor God as often and as much as we should, especially considering all that God has done for us. God is wonderful. God has always been wonderful and God will always be wonderful. God keeps doing great things. God keeps opening doors and making ways. And so we want to make sure that we honor God for that. Now, we also talked about, um, if you look at that scripture, David says, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. He says, leave me not neither forsake me. Now we learned something about that word forsake. Okay. We learned that what it means, it's used about 144 times uh, between the old Testament and the new Testament. Okay. And it means to abandon. Okay. So it means to leave behind. So um, David says, don't, don't abandon me, God. Don't, 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 don't. He says, leave me not, neither forsake me. Now you need to understand something here because he already says, leave me not. But then he says, neither forsake me. And remember, I told you, forsake means to abandon or it means to leave behind. So he already says, leave me not. And then he says, neither forsake me. Now, if forsake me means don't leave me or abandon me also, then, then there has to be something more because he's not saying, leave me not, leave me not. Because when you break down the word forsake me, that essentially ties out to be leave me not again. So it's almost as if he's saying, leave me not, leave me not. That's actually what it kind of breaks down to when you when you look at it, especially when you understand what the word forsake means. OK, because it means to abandon, which is which means to leave behind. So David says, leave me not. When he says neither forsake me, he is virtually saying, leave me not again. OK. That's the way it can seem. Now, there's nothing wrong with that because we could say, well, David said he really didn't want God to leave him. And I, and I don't know about you, but I really don't want God to leave me enough to say, Lord, leave me not, leave me not. And brothers and sisters, if you're anything like me, you're probably saying the same thing. You won't have a problem saying, God, don't leave me, don't leave me, don't leave me, don't leave me. But David here is actually going a little bit further than that. He's actually not trying to say, leave me not, leave me not. But he's actually giving some context or bringing some depth into the type of leaving that he doesn't want God to do. So he says, Lord, leave me not. But then he says, neither forsake me. The word forsake me, it is true. It does mean to leave behind. Okay, it means to abandon or to leave behind. But remember, last week we, decide, we, we learned that it also means to leave fallow. Now it's the leave fallow part is what David is actually trying to bring out or what God wants you to get out of what David is saying here. He says, leave me not, neither leave me fallow. That's literally what he's saying. Leave me not, so don't just abandon me, but also, but don't abandon me, leaving me fallow. All right, now, Fallow ground, we talked about it last week. Fallow ground is cultivated or uncultivated ground that is left to lie idle during the growing season. 
Amen. So in other words, this field is, is this field that could potentially have a crop. It could potentially be used to grow and bring forth crop. But instead of it being used to grow and bring forth crop, that land or that field is left idle during the growing season. So in essence, all of the other fields that surround it, that are growing or bringing forth crop, they are doing so all the while this particular field is left dormant. Amen. Amen. I hope you're getting it. This is good stuff. Fallow ground is cultivated or uncultivated. By cultivated, we mean that it's been the soil's been turned over and everything, and it's been prepared and made ready to receive seed. When we say uncultivated, then that's the ground that has become hardened and caked on and baked on, and the sun has caused the ground to crack, and it looks like little plates and all the that's fallow ground as well. Okay. And so it is land that has been left idle during the growing season. So it's supposed to be growing fruit. It's supposed to be bringing forth the harvest. It should be in a position where it can bring forth sustenance and, and provisions for those that need it. It should be of such caliber that somebody should be able to go and, and, and begin to, to pluck up some of the, the bounty that grows there. But instead of being able to go to this tree or go to this field and find a crop that's ready to be harvested, it's left dormant and it's left idle while everything else around it is blooming and prospering. <laughs> amen, amen. I, I hope you see where we're going with this. I hope you see where, where, where it's ground that has been allowed to become obsolete, not obsolete because it has no value or because it has no worth, but ground that is allowed to become that. Glory, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Remember, I told you it's, it's, it's ground that's even, it can be cultivated or uncultivated. If it's cultivated, that means it's actually ready to, it's, it's, it's ready to, to receive word, but, but, but it's been left idle with no word, no seed planted in it. Amen. 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 Bible teaches us that the word of God is the seed. Amen. So when we transition between that, that's what we, that's what we mean. And that's why we, we say that the, the fallow ground also serves a purpose. Amen. Amen. It also can serve a purpose, not one that we necessarily want all the time, but God have to employ it. God employs it nonetheless, because he uses it uh, he uses it at, at time, the, the state of fallowness. Amen. And a lot of people don't really don't know that, but God does use that, that, that state. Okay. Because when you start talking about this ground becoming fallow in this thing, then that, that means that it's, it's, it's the, the, the land is, it, it may not be tilled. It may have already been tilled and then nothing done with it, or it's been left, it's been left dormant and, and, and it has not been tilled. Amen. For a season during a growing season. Amen. Now, we told you before that when we talk about fallow, now there is a reason why some things are left fallow or grounded left fallow. And I told you last week is because 
one reason now this is the positive sense but there's also the negative sense and the negative sense is what we're going to really be dealing with but let me give you the positive side of it first the positive side of a ground being left fallow brothers and sisters is is that it allows the land to be revitalized with the minerals and the nutrients so uh, as i told you last week those that are involved in agriculture or farming and all of these sorts of things they know that you don't just grow um, you don't just plant year after year after year after year after year on a land, certain crop or crops or whatnot. You have to give it some time. There have to be some time where that ground is left fallow. In other words, there need to be some se a season that you don't grow anything on there. You don't plant anything. You leave the land alone. And the reason why they do that is so that the nutrients and the minerals will be revitalized within the soil. When plants and harvest and crops grow within a field in order for them to do that okay in addition to the sunlight that they get and the water and the from the rain or the or however the irrigation is done in addition to the water and to the rain and to the sunlight or whatnot in order for the plants to grow up healthy and strong and produce a good crop they have to and they do absorb the minerals and the nutrients that they need from the soil. As they continue to do that, the more harvest, the more crops you grow and the more you harvest, the more these, 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 these plants strip the soil of their natural nutrients, okay? So they're using what's there. Now, if you put that in the spiritual sense, what the equivalent of that would be is, is, is that this would be the equivalent of you having received the word of God, right? And then you're using the word of God. And as you're using the word of God, it is producing good fruit in you. You are growing and you are getting stronger. You are getting better. You are getting closer to God. You are becoming more Christ-like. Amen. Well, it takes nutrients to be able to do that, spiritual nutrients. Where that come from? That comes from the word. Amen. That comes from the, that comes from the, the, the nutrients or the environment, glory to God, that the seed is sowed into because the ground represents the environment or the soil is represents the environment that the seed or the word is planted into. Now, the environment that we talk about, of course, is your heart. Okay, we're talking about we're we're talking about your heart, your life. That's what we're talking about. Where the word of God is deposited. Okay, so just just know that we we're 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 using these things kind of interchangeably, but just follow along as 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 best you can. Okay, so the word is with the seed is planted within your heart. Okay, within your life, in 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 us, God deposits the word. Okay, now. As we continue to soak up the word, glory to God, as we continue to feed on the word, we are gathering nutrients. Amen. Amen. But the nutrients that you gather only go as far as what's available in the soil. Now, what do I mean by that? The word of God provides the nutrients. It is both the seed as well as the nutrients. 
it represents not just the seed, but it represents the rain. It represents the nutrients in the soil. The word of God is, is deep. It represents all of these different things. So God's word really does, you know, double and triple, quadruple duty in a lot of different ways. Now, you are only going to get as much nourishment as the word is available in your heart and in your life. So that means this, if you are, if, 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 if you make it a habit of being inconsistent with the word of God, studying the word of God, you don't go to church, you don't listen to the word, you don't do, you don't use any of the means that God has made available. You don't read your words, you're not praying, you're not doing none of that kind of stuff. You're just doing what you want to do or, or what you think you want to do. And, but you are, but you're not making yourself available. You're not, you're, you're not getting the word. You're not feasting on, you're not making the word a constant in your daily life. Okay. Now you need to understand eventually the word that you have in you the nutrients, you're going to run out because you're not replenishing the supply. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the father. You cannot live without a continuous supply of the word. But if you cut off the supply, if I cut off the supply, then I am all, then eventually the supply of strength or nutrients that come from the word is going to eventually run out. Why? Because I don't have a constant influx of new word or constant word. You got to have it. You got to have that. So sometimes what happens is Fallow ground, when it's used to good effect, then what it does in the positive side sense, it represents the season where you begin to take in the word of God. You're not necessarily going out and doing anything. You might not necessarily be involved in a ministry. You might not necessarily be involved in some sort of a project or whatever it is or undertaking for the church or for God, or for, but you might not be doing anything. You might not necessarily be going out necessarily at this moment, at this time and, 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 and working great exploits. No, you might not, not be, you might not be doing that. You might be in a season where you just come through something and, 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 and it's taken everything in you, all the work that you had to get you through that thing. And now you're finally on the other side of, this hardship or this difficulty, and, and, and you're feeling spent, you are feeling drained, you are feeling depleted. And so what God does is that he sends his ministering angel. Sometimes that ministering angel is some, someone of the angelic host, but sometimes it is the man of God that God will send to preach the word and teach the word or whoever it is, that layman, that God will send to bring you the word. And then you enter a state where you begin to replenish. You just begin to feed on the word. You're not busy. Be careful about going and 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 going when it comes to the service of God. Let me give you some context. God have not designed you to work that way. There is a season for everything. Ecclesiastes tells us this. There is a time where you working and you going and going and, and but family, there comes a time where you got to be still. 
When you have come through a difficult period in your life, and I mean, you really struggled with it, yet God was there pulling you through. And you had to use that word. You had to speak that word and rely on that word to get through, but now you're through. Now you're coming on to the other side and the sun rays are starting to shine again. But it don't change the fact that you're tired. You're depleted and you drain. Be careful during that period about going and undertaking to yourself a whole bunch of work and all these different things. And so I don't care whether you say it, it's in the name of the Lord or what. The pattern of God is not so. Rest is important to God. So much that he gave you a Sabbath, a day of rest. What was he trying to do? Reinforce in you that there is a period of time where you've got to stop and you got to just focus on God because that's what the Sabbath is about. Sabbath is about connecting with God. talking about the spiritual application of what a Sabbath is. It's about getting reconnected and getting rejuvenated. and re It's about reconfirming. It's about making sure that that altar is built up and is in tip-top shape and that everything is way where it's supposed to be. Be careful about getting busy with a whole lot of things before you have allowed God to speak the words that pour back into you the nutrients that you need in order to walk through this life. Many people backslide, I have found, not because they just want to go and do their own thing. But many people I have discovered backslide because they were not properly prepared for the inevitable downtimes that come. What do you mean, Brother Walker? What I mean by that is, is this. I've discovered that many people backslide because they get so depleted by something, so tired, and they use the word and they do everything that they can, but, but because they don't have a influx of the word of God, a constant inflow of the word of God, what happens is, is that they go through a period, they use the word, and then it gets them through. But because they haven't replenished the word or they don't sit still and allow God to just speak the word and revitalize them and nourish them and get them strong again. What happens is, is this, even though they don't have any more strength and even though they are tight and they don't have nothing left in the tank, they keep trying to go, 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 go. Maybe because somebody said there's a need here and there's this, and they try to rise to the occasion of every occasion, and they try to be the one that stands in the gap, and they do it with a good heart and a good mind. They want to be there, but what happens is that they just get so tired that they get to the point of just utter exhaustion. 
And because they don't have the word constantly being built up in them or revitalized and nourished in them, they eventually hit a roadblock and they get to a point where they're just so tired. They're like, you know what? I'm they're, They get to a point where they say, you know what? Something's got to get. And then when they get to that point, the natural mind starts kicking in. The devil starts working at that point. And then all of a sudden it starts to become, you know what? You've been doing all this. This is this labor is thankless. This is that and the other. And before you know it, they take out their tiredness and their frustration and all these things. They take it out on God and they begin to say, you know what? The problem. It's all the effort and all of these different things that I've been putting into it. The problem is this way. It's this walk. It's too much. And that's the lie that the enemy tells them, but they buy into it. Because they get burnout. Many people backslide because of spiritual burnout. Because they do not take the time to allow the word of God to be poured back in them before they start getting busy again with the Lord's work. They just go, 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 go without a break. Many people have the idea that, you know what? The devil's not going to take a break. So why should I? Well, I tell you this. Why you want to pattern yourself after the devil? God took a break. So what you doing following the devil? The devil don't take a break and he still ain't winning. So you don't have to pattern yourself after the devil in order to defeat him. Matter of fact, the word of God said, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Get in the word. Get in your prayer closet, in your prayer time. There has to be times where you take away and that you got to steal away and you got to take a break. Jesus gave us this pattern. When you read the gospels, you will find times where Jesus separated himself. He came apart from the crowd. He never asked anybody to stay 100,000% in the crowd. No, you got to break off. You got to come away. Now, that's not come away to be idle and just be doing all the weird. No, that's not. That's not what that is. We're talking about where you take time to just read the word. If you're a teacher, you're not reading the word in order to teach a lesson. You're reading the word in order to get a lesson taught to you by God Almighty. If you're a preacher, you're not in the word in order to preach a sermon or a lesson. You're in the word just to be in the word. You got to have that. And on and on and on it goes. Doesn't matter the, the office or the ministry per se in the church. Listen, you can't, you cannot go indefinitely. The church, unfortunately, will always 
until God wraps this thing up. They're going to always be more work than there are hands readily available to do the work. The churches must plan properly where they take this into account and not work their people and their staff or whatever else it is to the bone because such is contrary to God and is not the will of God. Churches must respect the need for the body of Christ to need to be revitalized. Churches must not and should not heap to themselves all manner of activities and so on and so forth, one right after another, never giving anybody a break or a time. No, 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 no. Plan more strategically, more wisely. Because when we do these things, that is not the will of God. God ain't never told nobody to just go, 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 go. Uh-uh. And God has never told anybody to go without taking breaks and take, and remember, and keep in mind, when we talk about taking breaks, we're not talking about being idle. No, we're talking about you spending time with God. We're talking about you working with God. This is just a good practical teaching, but it's, but you need to hear this nonetheless, because all of this is within the concept of this fallow ground. Okay. When we start dealing, when we start dealing with that. So the positive sense side of fallow ground is, is when it's, is, is, is represented by that of when the saint takes a moment or pause before he or she starts to get too active and, and over and inundated with, with a lot of activity and things to do, but they take time to get before God and to get in that word and let God replenish them, especially when they've come through a tough situation or circumstances or a season that's been very trying. Don't just go get busy in the church and all that kind of, no, 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 no. Get the word of God so that you can be strengthened up so that you can bear and deal with what may come up once you begin to become active again. Amen. Amen. Okay. And that's the good side. Now the better, the, the negative side of dealing with uh, a fallow ground. Okay. The negative side is, is that you can't afford to have, we cannot afford to have our lives be as fallow ground okay in the negative sense in the negative sense okay there there has to be a fallow period in the positive sense where you are where you're soaking up the nutrients of the word so you need that okay so that's the positive but in the negative side we cannot afford to have our lives be as fallow ground and we talk about the totality of our lives now okay See, ground that is either unbroken, unbroken up or ground that is full of weeds or thorns. This is fallow ground. OK, this is also fallow ground. Now. It is ultimately ground. Talking about in the negative sense now. That the word of God cannot prosper in. Now, that's ultimately what it is in the negative sense. Fallow ground in the negative sense, ultimately, or at the bottom line, is ground that the word of God cannot prosper in. Okay? And this is because it is either 
not planted in it. That means the word is not either is not planted in it. So it doesn't prosper because either one, there's no word in there to prosper. Okay. Or if it is, if there is word that has been planted, it doesn't prosper because why? It's being choked out by the weeds and the thorns. Okay. Go to Mark chapter four, verse 18. Look at verse 19. Jesus breaks down the seed that's sowed among thorns. Okay. This is where he's giving the explanation to the disciples of what his parable of the sower and the seed meant. Okay. He's breaking it down. Now in Mark 18, excuse me, Mark chapter four, verse 18 and 19. And there's another gospel in which you will also find that I believe it's in Matthew as well, this parable as well, but we're not going to get into that, into uh, Matthew's account. We're just dealing with Mark's account. Um, that should be that that's sufficient uh, enough for us um, for, for today. Um, Mark four, 18 and 19 says, and these are they which are sown among thorns such as hear the word of God. So now Jesus is giving, he's breaking it down. He's explaining the parable to the disciples and he's explaining it to us. These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in. Choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. Now, Jesus breaks down the word sown among thorns. And this is very important. Why? Because look at Jeremiah chapter four, verse number three, because in it, we are commanded to break up our fallow ground and not to sow among thorns. Now, you don't understand that. We're commanded to break up the fallow ground. This is the untilled, the untaken care of field that's been allowed to just be crusty and, and, and craggy and, 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 and all of these different things. It's unsuitable for a harvest. And so the commandment in Jeremiah is to get it ready for harvest. In other words, till the ground. The hardened exterior, the hardened shell's got to be broken up. He says in Jeremiah 4 and 3, for thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground. And watch this. And sow, which means to plant, not among thorns. That's talking about the weeds and thorns and all the stuff that rob nutrients. See, thorns and weeds and all of these things when they're in a plant, in a field, they grow so much faster than usually than the crop that's been planted. Okay. 
that they impact the harvest that can be had because they grow up so quickly and spread so rapidly that the nature of weeds and thorns is that they soak up the nutrients, they rob the ground of minerals necessary for the good crop. So the good crop either doesn't grow or if it does, it's diminished, lethargic almost. Because the crop or the, or the harvest has not enough nutrients or minerals to grow properly, if they grow at all. Amen, 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 amen. So Jeremiah instructs us to break up the fallow ground. But he says, not just break it up. But don't sow in areas, don't plant in areas where there are thorns. These thorns represent weeds and these, these things. If we were to bring that up today, it's those areas where you and I are hard-headed and disobedient, unrighteous and wicked. That part that's anti-God. That wants to do it your way and only your way. It's the ground in you that is unwilling to yield to God. Amen. 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 What then are you saying? I'm saying that it is the natural man. Did not the word teach us that the carnal man is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. So the word of God, when you try to, in other words, let me make this plain. Let me make this plain. Let me make this plain. You can't sow the word in the natural or to the natural because the natural is disobedient to God. It's got to be in your heart. In other words, you cannot serve God with the natural man because the natural man just goes through the motions. It won't take root there. The natural represents the area or the aspect of you that is not submitted and is not yielded to God, that carnal man who is utterly defiant to the will and the way of God. And if you try to sow the word in the natural, meaning you try to use natural means to carry out spiritual things. It don't, it don't work that way. Uh-uh. You got to have the Holy Ghost. You have got to have the Holy Ghost in you. 
giving you the supernatural ability to live in the spirit. Doesn't the word tell us? Walk in the spirit and ye shall not, what? Fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walk in the spirit. The word of God has got to take root. It's got to be sown on the inner man. It's got to be sown in the heart. It's not the word of God and worship to God is not something that you can do on the external. No, it's done on the internal and then it manifests externally. But if you just try, if your service to God let me make it plain for someone so, so, that, so that you'll understand where I'm, where I'm coming from. It doesn't matter how much in church you run around the church, you hit cartwheels, backflips, and all the other kind of dangerous stuff that didn't nobody tell you to do, God including. It don't matter how much stuff that you get in church talking about you're going to do. All the physical things that you get in church, you go and do. It don't matter how many people you greet. It don't matter how many people, how many lessons you teach. It don't matter. It does not matter. Anything that you can do in the church that can play out in the natural. If your heart is not right, if it is, if the word of God is not rooted and is not, if, if, if what you're doing is not motivated out of that. Because remember, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of him that defiles him. If your actions come from a heart that is thorny, thistled over and craggy and, and, and hardened, then your actions will be little more than going through the motion. They will not be recognized as God, by God as legitimate or real. You understand? Break up your fallow ground. Jesus says, these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, taking the word in, and the cares of this world. That means the problems of this world. And the deceitfulness of riches. That don't mean necessarily that you're trying to get rich. That means you just you can be just caught up in the hustle and bustle trying to make ends meet. You out there just trying to make a dollar. You're just trying to get through day to day, but you can, do you realize you can be, you can be consumed by the day-to-day -day hustle and bustle. It don't mean that you're going around trying to be a rich and a millionaire and billionaire. It don't mean, that don't mean that. It covers both of them, both ends of the spectrum. This is the person who's caught up in trying to, to amass riches and wealth or whatever else it is. As well as the person who's caught up on the so-called needful riches or the need for money or resources. See, you can, you can need and not be caught up and consumed by what you need. Glory to God. I'm, I'm gonna say that one again. You can be in need all the while not needing to be consumed by your need. And see, and that's where a lot of problems come from with us. Many times it's not that we 
It's, it, it, it's not that we're seeking to be rich. It can be the day-to-day -day needs that we have. But the problem is, is, is that we've taken the next step and it's no, it's no longer God provide this, Lord, I need this. But now all of a sudden our thoughts, our minds, our time, our real is consumed. By the lack or the need produced by that which we currently lack. Brothers and sisters, and I think we'll end it here. I guess we talked a little bit more about fallow ground than I thought, so there will be another lesson in this in this series. Amen. God knows what he's what what he's doing, but 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 let me let me go ahead and say this. You are not going to escape. I am not going to escape problems in this life. Needs and hardships. But your hardships, your needs and your problems. You might have them. But they don't have to have you. Do your problems have you? Or do you have your problems? See, because if you have your problems, then you got some options. The word of God says, cast your cares upon him for he careth for you you got options come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to tell you you got option trust in the lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path you got options You can give those problems to God. See, if I have my problems, meaning that they're not dictating uh, my life, my happiness, my this, my that, or whatever else you, no, no, uh-uh, no, 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 no. I have problems, but I have a word that's greater than all my problems. I got a word that's more powerful than my problems. I got a word that can do something about my problems. I got a word that will answer my problems. And so do you, if you have your problem. But if your problems have you, then you're going to be blown with every wind that comes through. You're going to be constantly up and constantly down and not really able to make headway in anything, tossed and driven like the waves of a C because your problems have you. But God has spoken a word and has given you authority to take control. Your problems don't have to have you. You can have them. And if you got them, you can give them up to God and he'll take care of the rest. God bless your family. Until next week, we will take what we got today and we will use it to the best of our ability as the Lord God Almighty gives us strength. You all have a wonderful Sunday and until next week. I'm gonna go ahead and stop the recording here.
God bless you.